All right, I'm going to miss that song. Get enough here to that. That's nice. And uh, I'm glad I'm not missing you, though. I'm glad you're here. And I want to say hi to everybody at Legacy, uh, at our Legacy Campus, and to everybody, whatever campus you're on, Woodbridge, Sloan Creek, Richardson, online right now in Espanol. I'm really glad you're here. Some of you have been around a long time. Some of you have been gone and are back. Uh, some of you are here for the first time or the second time. And however we get here, just really, really happy to have you on this journey today because it's an, it's an important conversation. We're in this today. We finish out this series, Big Beautiful World, that has served to guide us to better engage our big, beautiful world. And last week, we talked about how our big, beautiful world can also be a big, ugly world in terms of how people treat each other and humans treat each other. And we talked about how we can be difference makers in that. And that's an important conversation. So it'd be good to watch that or listen to that uh, online. Um, today we're talking about, yeah, it is a big, beautiful world, but it can also be a big, scary world. I mean, there are things in the world like clowns, for example. You know, I mean, it could be a creepy world, right? And uh, there's a lot of darkness and a lot of need, a lot of injustice, a lot of just spiritual blindness. And, and it can cause even us, uh, and I think it's probably everybody in here, most of us at least, even those of us who want to make a difference in this world, it, it can cause us, because it is a big, scary world with big, scary problems and a lot of darkness, to kind of retreat and play it safe and kind of live in a bubble. Um, and, you know, we live in suburbia, live in a bubble or, or live in a Christian bubble or whatever bubble we choose. It's sometimes easy to play it safe. When God gives us the opportunity to move into the darkness with light to glow in the dark. Uh, one of my favorite illustrations that uh, it always challenges me. Um, I've shared this years ago, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, this is uh, from a guy named Erwin McManus that has written a lot of books. He used to be a pastor here in Dallas years ago. Then he got too cool for Dallas and started a church in L.A. Uh, or actually went to a church in L.A. called Mosaic and um, really good guy. But uh, he writes about one of his sons when his son was just a little bitty guy. And here's the story. One summer, Aaron, his son, went to a kid's camp. He was just a little guy, and I was kind of glad because it was a church camp. I figured he wasn't going to hear all those ghost stories because ghost stories can really cause a kid to have nightmares. But unfortunately, since it was a Christian camp, they didn't tell ghost stories because we don't believe in ghosts. They did tell demon and Satan stories instead. <laughs> And so when Aaron got home, he was terrified. Dad, don't turn off the light, he said, before going to bed. No, Daddy, could you stay here with me? Daddy, I'm afraid. They told all these stories about demons. And I wanted to say they're not real, but I couldn't because they are real. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, would you pray for me that I would be safe? I could feel it. I could feel warm blanket Christianity began to wrap around him a life of safety, safety, safety. I said, Aaron, I will not pray for you to be safe. I will pray that God will make you dangerous. So dangerous that demons will flee when you enter the room. And he goes, all right, but pray I'd be really, really dangerous, Dad. <laughs> and then he asked the question, have you come to that place in your own life where you, where you stop asking God to give you a safe light and make you a dangerous follower of Jesus Christ instead? Um, we can either play it safe or be dangerous. And glow in the dark uh, is one of our DNA statements as a church. These statements serve to, 
to help guide us to be the church that we're becoming, that, that we believe Jesus wants us to be. And one of our DNA statements, you can find all of them online on our website, but is we glow in the dark. That we move into hopelessness, need and injustice with the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. Realize that God has called us to be called us here to be a light that we glow in the dark because we're light and light is meant for dark places. And and God wants to use us to do that. And therefore, we don't have to play it safe. We can be God invites us to be dangerous. It means that that, you know, the Bible says for those of us who follow Jesus, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I mean, we don't have to be afraid of the dark that we can move into the darkness with light, because when light and darkness collide, guess who wins? Light wins every time. And God calls us to 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 move in with his love and his light and his hope. And yet it is easy to play it safe because it is kind of a big, scary world. And I and I appreciate you so much as a church, because when it comes to moving into darkness, when it comes moving into need, when it comes moving into problems, uh, this is a church that said, you know what, we're we're not just going to play it safe. Yeah, we live in suburbia. We could insulate ourselves from things, but we're not going to do that. And uh, and I love that about you. And today we're going to talk about uh, we've been talking a lot about moving into need and moving into hopelessness. Today, we're going to steer it a little bit different way of glow in the dark, realizing this, that glowing in the dark isn't just about going to new scary places. God may call us to do that, but glow in the dark is for sure. And it starts with where God has already placed us. Meaning God has placed you and me where we are, not randomly, but on purpose to be a light. Because all around us is spiritual darkness. And what I mean there is just people who don't know the light. They don't know that God came here, that God sent Jesus to come into this world, to take on human flesh, to live among us, to die on the cross for sin, to be raised from the dead so that he can raise us to new life, that we can be forgiven. We can have God in our life who heals us, transform us, use us to change the world. That's the best news ever. But how are people going to know? And the Bible tells us how people are going to know that and be impacted by that in their spiritual journey is by you and me on that journey who are willing to be light. Realizing that that everywhere we are, right, God has placed us there on purpose. I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was, a, you know, fairly new in my faith and I was all charged up, you know, and, and my friends uh, who were church friends were all charged up about, you know, reaching people with the message of Jesus. You know, we're going to. And so what we thought that meant and looked like and, and God used this. Um, but we thought what that looked like was to go kind of outside of our relational circle to people we don't know, which, again, is not all bad. It's fine. But uh, we would do things like every Thursday night we went just knocking on doors randomly. Uh, you know how people do that and you hide at home, you know, um, at least I do. But um, with, you know, so I, I, we we'd go two at a time. So here I was like 15, 16 years old, right? 17 years old. And and here's how we do it. Uh, we would go, you know, we just knock on your door randomly. We didn't know you just, you know, go around neighborhoods randomly, knock on the door. And our opening line, you know how you have an opening line like people have when they're trying to, you know, meet a girl or a guy or something like that. Um, this was to talk about Jesus. And it was pretty straightforward. Um, they'd open the door and I'd say, hi, my name is Jeff. Uh, this is my friend Don. And would you like to talk about Jesus? That was what we do. Now, you could see on their faces that usually they were too nice to say what they were thinking. But you could tell by their faces what they were thinking when two teenagers that they don't know say, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? They look like, uh, no, <laughs> I really wouldn't. Uh, I'd like to go 
finish dinner with my family or I'd like to go watch Jeopardy or clean out my sock drawer, anything than talking to Jesus to two teenagers. I don't know. I don't even, you know, why are we doing this now? God used it. And there were times where people were ready for that. So it's not all bad. I'm not. But but what I learned kind of the hard way is that that's not the primary way God wants to connect to people. And that rather than just going outside my relational circle, that God had actually already placed me places to be light right where I was in my school, on my hockey team, my neighborhood. Right. And, and what the Bible teaches us is that where we are is not random, but God has actually placed us there. That's the word that's used as placed us there. First Corinthians seven says where we are is our assignment that God has assigned us where we are. It's not just random where we are. Where you are may feel random in your neighborhood, in your family, in your, you know, on your team or your tennis club or golf club or wherever, wherever God has you. But it is not random. We're, we're there because we've been placed to be there, to be a spiritual light, to point people to God. And if we don't shine as light, then that place will be dark. And God has called, loves those people so much around us that he placed us there to be light. And here's the scary truth is that you may be the only significant light in the lives of people around you. But God has placed you on purpose. And if you and I don't choose to be that light, if we choose to just kind of bury it, then that place that could be light stays dark. And so today we're going to talk about, well, how do you do this? Because by being light, we're talking about pointing people to Jesus, it, it, being helpful in the spiritual journey of people around us. And that can be really scary because you think, wait a minute, uh, I don't think I don't think I'm the one to do that. Like, I, I don't know anything like people are going to ask me questions and I don't know anything. And what we're going to see today, no, God, that's exactly who God wants to use. Um, God can use you. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, I, I'm kind of a screw up. I mean, I, I want to do right, but I don't do so. You know, I, I think I, I'm not have it together. I don't have it all together like some people do. And and by the way, they, we, people like that just look like they have it all together. And so, yeah, God, God can use you. So you're thinking, well, wait a minute, I, I don't even know Jesus yet. Like I'm a tire kicker trying to figure out this whole God Bible Jesus thing, if that's the way. And you, you count, too, because you're on the journey. Like you're not nowhere. You're somewhere. Uh, you're on the journey. You have a story to tell that can be really helpful in the life of somebody in their own spiritual journey. Just like people have been helpful in our lives. Uh, we get to be that person. And so today we're going to talk about how. And by the end of today, as we hear what the Bible says, um, it's so helpful. You're going to get to you're going to be at a place that you'd be like, you know what? I, I could do that. Like I could do that. And you can and God can use you to do that. So today we're going to talk around one passage in the Bible in this New Testament book called Colossians. And it's written by a guy who's perfect to talk about this. His name was Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament or a lot of the New Testament. And Paul was a person who helped a lot of people in their spiritual journey. And he's going to help us know how to do that and uh, in, in a way that actually you were like, yeah, I can do that. And so I'm, we're going to read the passage. This is in Colossians 4. It, it's, a, it's not super long, but we're going to read the whole passage. And then we'll kind of look back and say, okay, what does that actually mean? But here's the passage. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So he's praying for open doors to be able to talk about Jesus, to be influential in people's life. And he says, for, for which I'm in chains. Because he's writing from 
prison, actually house arrest. And he's not in prison because of a DUI or something like that. He's in prison because of his faith. Uh, there was persecution against Christians. He's a Christian leader. And he's, as a Roman citizen, he was, he was charged with a crime and arrested in Jerusalem. Um, goes to different places because he appeals as a Roman citizen. Not many people were Roman citizens from there. As a Roman citizen, he appeals for his case to be tried by Caesar himself in Rome. So he's in Rome waiting for that. It takes a couple years of waiting. And he's under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week, waiting for this to happen. And so he says, pray for me that God may open doors. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, the message about Jesus. And then he says, you be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, meaning those who don't know Jesus yet. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation about all that be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So there's a lot there. This is really cool and super helpful. Um, So the, the first thing that Paul talks about, if you and I want to be that person, if we want to be helpful in the spiritual lives of other people, is to pray for open doors. Uh, meaning God is at work around us. We're not on our own. We're not the ones who have to like bust down the door or like create spiritual interest or something like that. We don't have to. God is already working. God's already doing that. And so Paul said, so pray for open doors. Now, remember Paul's situation, right? He's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a different one. They rotated, but he was always chained to one of these guards. And if it were me praying for open doors, what I would mean is pray that God will, you know, get me out of prison. You know, get me out of here because I'm tired of this. I, you know, it's been years. I, you know, pray that I, I, I want to be, I want to go play golf. I want to go to Chick-fil-A. I want to do stuff I want to do. You know, pray that God will open those doors. But that's not what he's praying. He's saying, I want you to pray that God will, while I'm here, In this situation, under house arrest, that God will open doors for me to be influential in the lives of other people spiritually, to be a light, to be able to talk about Jesus and point people to Jesus. Pray that God will do that. Which is really cool to think about, right? Because he's saying, hey, look, this may not be my favorite place to be, but it's where God has me and pray that I make the most of it. Because for now, it's his assignment in Philippians, which is written at the same time as Colossians from the same situation under his house arrest. Um, he says this. Now, I want you to know this is about his imprisonment. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, meaning the message, the good news about Jesus. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What he's saying is, guys, this may not be my favorite place to be, but it's actually turned out to be super cool in terms of opportunity to be light in an otherwise dark place. Because here he is, chained to these Roman guards. Now, the hardest place in the world at the time to reach was Caesar's palace. Not in Las Vegas, even though that's a hard place to reach, too. But Caesar's palace in, you know, Rome, like, that would be the hardest place. And he's saying, guys, I'm, like, the message about Jesus is going out because I'm under arrest throughout the whole palace because I'm chained to these palace guards. I've got a captive audience. Like, they're right there. And just pray that we'll have continued opportunity to, you know, help people in their journey. And these, because they're, they're taking the message of Jesus right into Caesar's palace. And they're talking about Jesus right there. And it's the coolest thing ever. Now, that's super encouraging to me because here's what we get out of that. Is when you and I find ourselves in situations, he was in prison, right? When you and I find ourselves in situations that may feel 
purposeless or random or not great. And we're like, God, I don't want to be in this situation. And it doesn't mean we have to be there forever. But while we're there, realize, hey, this may be like my assignment. God may have me in this situation to be light in a place that would otherwise be dark. So you think, man, my job, my job is tough. It's a tough environment. I don't know if I, and it doesn't mean you have to be there forever, but as long as you're there, right, you have, that's your assignment. For those of you who are students, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm so glad it's summer. I can't go back to that place. That's a hard place to go. And it may be a hard place to go. I mean, I've, I've been a, a Christian, you know, as a Jesus follower in high school. I, I know what that's like. But you know what? That's your assignment to be like. Now, some of you, you know, in your neighborhood, you're like, oh, man, it's messed up. Or, or in your whatever, wherever you are. Right. That's not some of you are in a in cancer waiting rooms. Right. And you think, man, I really want to get out of that. And I want you to get out of that. But while you're there, right, it's your assignment. Like wherever we are, that's that we're there on purpose. And what Paul is saying is, therefore, pray not just to get out of there, but while you're there, pray that God will open doors for spiritual conversation, for being able to point the way to Jesus or just pray for somebody or be a positive influence. That's what to pray for open doors in that sense. And here's the cool thing about that is that we're not on our own. God is actually working around us all the time. Jesus let us know that. He said, no one can come to me, to Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws them. What's happening all around us, we don't even know it, is God is creating spiritual interest. He is kind of poking people and and, and creating a a thirst for him because we're made for God. We're made for our creator. And so he's at work all over the place. Like Jesus said one time, he, he compared it to a harvest field. Like there's... You know, he said, man, there's there's harvest all over the place. God is creating spiritual fruit. We just need people out there who can pick the fruit, meaning we need workers in the in the in the vineyard. God is doing all this work. We just need people to be out there. Right. In dark places being light. Because God's always at work and we never know what's going on around us and the people around us at work, at school, in the neighborhood, on our team, whatever. But God is at work. And so we just say, OK, God, would you let me be sensitive to that? Would you just make open doors uh, for influence, for spiritual conversation, to invite somebody to church, whatever? God, just and, and, I, and today, just do that. And if we do and we're, our eyes are open, God will use it. Let me just give one uh, quick illustration about that. Um, this last week was kind of fun at our house. This is our backyard uh, because we did a baptism. Uh, we've done a lot of baptisms in our pool. This is a guy in the middle uh, named Daniel, who is uh, a new new to Jesus and and uh, and is uh, a new to Chase Oaks and all that. But the way that happened was pretty cool. So um, he's a college student or actually just graduated from college uh, down in Laredo. Uh, he's a basketball player uh, playing for them. He's from the Czech Republic. And uh, so he is on a plane from Dallas to Czech Republic to go home to be with his family. And there's a couple of Chase Oaks couples who were going on vacation. Uh, Mark and Diana Hahn, who are elders at Chase Oaks, meaning their elders are like spiritual board of directors, uh, kind of way to look at it. And then um, one of our pastors, Jan Sampak, and her husband, Mike, uh, were, were going vacationing together, going to Prague. It doesn't sound, in fact, let's say it again with classical music. Yeah, they were on vacation going to Prague. Doesn't that sound great? You're like, man, I'm just trying to go to Waco. You know, he's like, ah, 
But anyway, so they're on vacation, right? Going to Prague. And Daniel is sitting next to them. And all they know is this tall guy sitting next to him. What they didn't know is God was really working in his heart and life. And so they just strike up a conversation with him, you know, because that's who they are. And they and and when they find out he's going there, hey, we're yeah, we're going to Prague. We've always wanted to see it. He's like, oh, man, that's my city. I would love to show you my city. You'll see you have a whole different perspective from a local than you will from a tourist thing. And they're like, that'd be great. So they spend a day in Prague together. And then knowing that he's coming back to Texas, they're like, hey, look, you know, the Hans just being who they are. We're like, hey, we would love to be your Texas family. You know, your family's all the way over here. We'd love to be your family in Texas. And he took them up on that. And they just enveloped in the family. And he stayed there a bunch. And they celebrated the holidays together, still did all that together. And uh, he got to see Jesus at work in a family, what Jesus looks like in a marriage, what Jesus looks like in a family, what Jesus looks like at a place like Chase Oaks Church. And he just and, and and then at the same time, God had put people in his life like his coach, who was a Jesus follower. His his coach invites him to the final four. And there he hears a, a, a Jesus follower tell his story about a, 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 an NBA player, tell his story about, uh, you know, this is where I'm at with Jesus and what happened. And he's like, I'm in. And he becomes a Jesus follower. And last week wanted to get baptized to let the world know that, which is cool, right? But a big part of that process is there's a tall dude sitting next to me on the plane. I don't know if I should talk to him or not. Right. But the truth is, God is at work. Um, and it's always that way. I mean, I had, I think, kind of a, a missed opportunity that I believe will come back around just this last week or two weeks ago as, as I was beginning to think about this message. And then I drive away and think, dummy. But it was at the gym and these two guys are talking uh, that are at the gym a lot. And one guy's lost his job and he's explaining he's lost his job because his company's so stupid. And I don't know if that's why, but that's, you know, what they're talking about. And I could have entered into that conversation. I didn't. And as I was driving away thinking, man, that was probably an open door, but it'll come back around when I see him. And I will. I'm just say, hey, what's going on with your job search? And, you know, I, I you know, I do. I, I, I kind of pray for people and I'd love to pray for that if you're open. I mean, right. It's just something that simple. But just look for open door. And I believe if we pray for open doors, God will answer that because he's always working. I mean, what imagine if we prayed this prayer every day it didn't have to be this word like these words exactly, but something like this. God, thank you for another day on this planet. And as your servant, please use me today to point someone toward you to be a light. I'm fully available to you today, Lord. And I ask that you would open doors and relationships where people are open to you. Guide me in how I can be helpful. If that means saying a word for you today, I'll do that. If it means just keeping quiet, but demonstrating love and servanthood, help me do that. If it means inviting someone to come and see to check out my journey here in this church, then God help me do that. If it means just breathing a prayer for someone, God help me do that. Open my eyes and guide me by your spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence in our life. I mean, imagine if we lived every day, even this week, like before we go to work, before you go to wherever you go. Before you go to lunch with somebody or whatever, just to say, God, use me today. Open a door and, and just make me sensitive to that. And I want to be used by you. I promise you it would change our week. And God would do it. Now, in addition to that, praying for open doors, because God's always at work, and we've got to pair it with this, or it can actually be counterproductive, but this will also open doors, and that is to live a contagious life. Meaning a life where people are more open to Jesus because of the way we live our life. Live a contagious life. And I know contagious is a weird word. Uh, A little bit ago, Christy came home from a trip, and she was fighting a cold. And so all that week... 
Right. I'm trying not to catch that cold or not to get her cold. And so she's chasing me around the house trying to kiss me, you know, and I had to I had to just walk around with six iron, you know, to, and uh, and because, you know, I, I feel for her. I mean, when you're married to somebody as adorable as me and kissable, it's hard. And uh, OK, maybe not. But um, it, 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 we'll see what happens. But um, that's contagious in a bad way. Right. But spirituality is more caught than taught. And it's our lives that open people up to hear about, well, hey, what's going on? That's what Paul says in First Peter, I mean, Peter says in First Peter 3, hey, live in such a way, and if you live, you know, a certain way of life, people are going to ask you, hey, what's your deal? What, why do you live the way you live? Why are you the way you are? Why are you that generous? Why, are you that, why do you care about other people so much? Why, are, you know, and he says, be ready to share the reason. And this is the way Paul says it. How to live. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, meaning people who don't know Jesus yet. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, the little word act could be translated just as well live. So he's just saying when as you live around people who don't know Jesus and you're around them, just be really careful about that. Because the way you live as a Jesus follower is going to influence what they think about Jesus. Right. I mean, it's just the way it works. And that's true of any group. That's just the way we as human beings do things. So when you think about a group of people, chances are that's been informed by the one or two people from that group that, you know, and then you sort of think, oh, that's the way that group is. So we'll play with that a little bit. So when you hear these groupings, these categories of people, you know, what do you think of? For example, an Alabama fan, you know, now Friday night, I let people share answers. I'm not doing that because it was, I'm still, you know, hurting from that as an Alabama fan. People were like, you know, when I said Alabama fan, people were like rednecks, obnoxious, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, OK, thank you. But um, thanks for playing. But it's just whoever you, you know, if you know, whoever you know, that informs how you feel about that whole group um, or a person from a geography like New Yorker or, or you name anywhere, Texan or whatever. If you're from another part, you think, oh, yeah, well, they're like that. And that's either good or bad, depending on your deal. I, I was going to change this to Filipino. Because I was thinking about this yesterday of people. We have a number of people in our church who are from the Philippines and Filipinos are interesting people to me because every Filipino I know is just so nice and so gracious. And also they love karaoke. And so they're like the funnest people ever. And I don't know. I'm sure not every Filipino is like that, but the ones I know are like that. So I'm thinking, man, it must be a blast to live in the Philippines. I mean, let's go there, you know, and uh but just because those are the people that I know. Right. Or um, a pastor, you know, think, what do you think of pastors as a category? You might think, man, you think clowns are creepy. <laughs> you ever met a pastor? Wow. You know, depending on who you've met, right. And who you've been around, it could be either positive or negative. It's just the way they do that. The same thing is true for the, you, you know, as a Jesus person, if you are a Jesus follower, the way people around you will think about Jesus, about Christianity will be in part determined by you because you're the Jesus person they know you're the you may be the only Jesus person in their life. And that's a little that's a little scary and a little intimidating. You think, well, I'm just not going to talk about it then. And that's the wrong answer. Um, and I mean, we all know Christians who for, who are repulsive to Jesus, but we also know Christians who are, you know, make you more interested. Right. And the difference is that one is perfect and the other is imperfect. People can handle imperfection. They just can't handle hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is where you make yourself look better than you are 
or you make yourself seem better than they are. And that is repulsive. But an authentic person on the journey who would say, man, I'm a, yeah, I'm a mess. And Jesus is working on me. He's cleaning me up a little bit every day and I screw up, but he loves me and he forgives me. And I, you know, and, and I, I'm trying, you know, I'm following him. And sometimes it's two step forward, one step back. But when we're authentic in the journey, those are the best people to reach people for Jesus, right? That, yeah, we're all messed up, but God loves us anyway. And he's pulling us toward himself and he changes us and he grows us and he uses us and he transforms. And you can talk about that and you can show that. And we live in such a self-focused world, just living like Jesus, who, who lives such an other-focused life, um, is really compelling in a self-focused world. Now, if you do this, if you pray for open doors and you live a contagious life, then you will have opportunity to use words. It'll come up, like Peter said, be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. It's what Peter, Peter says in 1 Peter 3. Meaning there will, it will open up opportunities to maybe share your story or to invite somebody to church or just say something like, hey, is it OK if I pray for you? I mean, we have to do it right now, but just in general or whatever it is, uh, when that happens and you have opportunity to have spiritual conversation, that's great. But use words carefully. Right. Because that can be either be a really great moment or it can shut it down. And here's what he says to help us, to equip us. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is so cool. It's so helpful. He says, first of all, let your when you do talk about have the spiritual conversations, make sure your words are full of grace. This is a great word picture because the word picture uh, is a container of words. Okay, and it's and he says, make sure they're so full of grace. It's like overflowing with grace is the concept that your bucket of words is overflowing with grace, which means it is so full of grace. There's not room for anything else. There's not room for. Judgment. There's not room for arrogance. There's not room for being paternalistic, you know, kind of patting people on the head. Well, one day you'll, you know, that kind of foolishness or like grace um, believes the best. Grace is humble. It listens. Um, Grace is not arrogant. You know, grace is kind. Right. So make sure your words are full of grace. This is a lot about tone as well. You know, you, people sometimes have spiritual conversations like they're trying to win an argument. And that's that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to share our story, point people to Jesus, be helpful. We're all just messed up people on a journey. Right. So full of grace. Seasoned with salt. Uh, Christy and I, when we watch TV, uh, it seems like we turn it on Food Network a lot. Um, you know, all those cooking shows. I don't know why, but that's what happens. And so um, my favorite is Beat Bobby Flay. I like that. And uh, but all those shows, right, when it comes to judging, a lot of times they'll say something like this. Oh, this was really great, but it would have been a whole lot better if you had just added more salt. Right. Because salt brings out the flavor of everything. Salt even physiologically works with our mind and body to make us want more food. Salt makes you want ooh more. You know, it wakes up everything. It's like, yeah, this is good. Let's go. And Paul is saying, just make sure your words are like that, that they leave people wanting more, not less. Seasoned with salt. And then he says, so that you may know how to answer everyone, meaning it's tailored. Meaning it's not that we just have this canned speech that we, you know, give no matter what and assume everybody's at the same place. And uh, we feel like we have to close the deal. You know, are you ready to believe in Jesus right now? What are you talking about? No, I don't even know. what you're. And they may be there. That's cool. But 
they may not. Think about this. We're all on a continuum with in our journey with God. Every one of us are on this chart somewhere, right? So zero is when we begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Um, and it's cool when people are there and, you know, that's nice, but they may not be there. So this is plus 10. You know, this is like Jesus Jr. Um, over here. And then uh, minus 10 is like a hardened atheist, you know, who just says, man, I, um, I think Christianity and all religion is stupid and there's no God and it's stupid to think there is a God. OK, well, they're they're on the continuum. They're they're somewhere on the journey. But God may have you in their life to go from minus 10 to minus nine just to begin to doubt their atheism. Just begin to think, you know what, maybe, I don't know, maybe there is something more than just this world. That's huge, right? That's, that's a big deal. You just never know where people are. So it's just being sensitive to just all, you're, all we're doing is just helping each other, all of us, wherever we're on our journey. We're all on a journey to, to take a next step. And the good news is, is God can use you wherever you're at on the journey, anywhere on this chart, to, to do that if we're authentic and do, you know, do what Paul says. We pray for open doors, live contagious lives, right? And, and careful with our words. And we can be super influential. Say, a couple of safe ways to have these conversations are, one, to share your story. Because when you're sharing out of your story, it's just like, hey, this is what God's doing for me. This is what I'm, it's not about, well, this is what you need. It's not pointing the finger. It's just talking, it's just telling your story. Um, we also work really hard around here to build a church environment that makes it easy for us to bring our non-church friends because we do church not just for us, but for those who have yet to come. And, and um, because, uh, you know, we're all, again, we're all on the journey somewhere. And it, we try to provide an environment where it's like, hey, just bring your questions and doubts with you because we all have questions and doubts and they're probably really good. So you don't have to hide them. You don't have to, like, just come and, uh, and just bring them with you, right? Come and see. Come and check it out. And so inviting people to a place like this is not a bad way to go either. But when you, I mean, the, the wonderful reality, and this can be a little scary too, but you may be the only significant light in the lives of the people around you. And if you and I choose not to be, you know, not to shine light, not to be play and, and allow God to use us to be light, then we leave that place dark. And God, God loves those people so much around you. Did he put you there to be light? That's an investment. It's your assignment. It's my assignment. And so imagine looking back at the end of our lives, right? Wouldn't it be cool if we could look back at the end of our lives and have a Daniel story in our life? You know, the guy from Czech Republic. Or look back and think, man, there's two or three or five or ten or a hundred people that I was able to just, I don't know, I just have seen God work and I got to be a little part of that. I mean, God's always working. He just wants to use us in the process. And so I want to make this very personal today. So when you came in, you got a card. Friday night, I made a mistake. I said a three-by-five card. And Friday night, let me know. It's four-by-six. So, okay. All right. I got it. Four-by-six. They were a little tough on me Friday night. So four-by-six. Um, I mean, I love Friday night. They're great. But they were just, you know, in a mood, I guess. So four-by-six. Um, and what I want you to write on one side is just the name of a person in your life that God has put on your heart. When you think about, man, I would love to see God just pull this person toward himself. And again, this is true for anybody. You say, well, I'm, I, hey, dude, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, you know. Well, I know, but you're on a spiritual journey, right? God is, what, you know, I think God is working in your life, and, uh, or you wouldn't be here. And so just think, well, okay, who's a person in my life that I would love to see 
them take a next step on the journey. And if I could be helpful, then I just love that. And, uh, and so I'm going to pray for them that God may open a door uh, for, to invite or open a door of conversation or just to pray for them or whatever. So just go ahead and write a name. Like there's a pen in front of you and I can see you. you know, if you're, I mean, do it. Like, you know, at least act like it. So uh, put, put a name. And just put a first name because you're going to hopefully remember that name. If you have to take a picture of it, do that. But uh, when you leave, you're going to hand these in because I want to pray along. I want to pray for the people in your life. So I want to pray along with you. And on the other side, I'm going to ask you to write a prayer request. And uh, and for you, okay, you can not for your friend, but for you. And the reason is every year uh, I go on study break uh, for a few weeks. And that's a really important time. So I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Cause it's time for me to get alone with God in a different environment and really plan for the year. So part of that is directional for the church for the year. Part of that is a big part of that is all the sermon series and where, you know, all that's planned for the year during that time. And so it's, it's the most important time of the year for me. And so please just pray that that'll be really productive and, and it'll be a, a, you know, I can connect with God. And, but the other thing I like to do is pray for you when I'm on that time. I've been doing this for 15 years now and taking these requests. I share it now with uh, our, our elder board I talked about earlier. So a couple of other pastors, our campus pastors will do this too this year. And, uh, and just pray along with these requests. And it's been amazing to see how God has answered these prayers over these years. And so it'd be a real honor to do that. So um, write that out. Uh, when you, we're not ready to leave yet. Don't get excited. There's more service to go. But when you do leave, um, then you can hand it to the, there's either baskets or ushers, depending on the deal at your campus to do that. But I want to get you started. And so I asked our band here at Legacy, hey, give us a little prayer request music uh, just to get us started. They're going to do a little prayer request music and then I'll, I'll still be here, but we'll continue. So I love asking any of our bands to do something like that because they always, you know, come, come out with something cool. So uh, um, I am, you know, about to leave for break. Uh, we're going to close out this sermon. Before I do, let me just share with you what's coming up during these weeks because it's going to be awesome. Uh, and I can't wait to follow it online. So the next series, you know, is things that keep us up at night and which is going to be how to be free of things like anxiety and shame and all these things that we kind of carry around with us. And I'm always committed. and It's not that hard to do to make to make the weekends better when I'm on break than when I'm here. And uh, and so you're going to hear from Blake Bergstrom that, you know, well, uh, you're going to hear from Ryan Leak, uh, who's amazing. Uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from him as well. But uh, he'll be speaking. Um, Cindy Park uh, will be speaking. Uh, which will be great it's right here at the Legacy Campus right now. Um, a guy named Igor from New Zealand. I mean, if we're going to bring a guy named Igor all the way from New Zealand, it's got to be good, right? And then the kind of the the closeout um, pitcher or whatever. Uh, it's gonna is we're kind of bringing out the big guns. So Gene Getz, uh, the one who started our church, is going to uh, be speaking, and that's going to be great. And so uh, and then you'll be stuck with me again for a while. So um, looking forward to it. But for now, I want us to refocus and just remember, you and I may be the only significant light in the lives of the people around you. And that God has placed you where he's placed you on purpose. It's not random. And as long as you're there, think, OK, how can I be light? And like I said, I mean, just like some I'm sure you can name one or two people who've been really influential in your own life that way, in your own journey. And wouldn't it be cool to be that in somebody else's life? And that's what God wants for us. 
And so with that in mind, let's just pray. Let's talk to God. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God in our own words. Just bow our heads together. And I want you to think about the person that you thought of when we were writing down names. And just in your own heart right now, just pray for that person, that God would open a, a door, that God would help you be an encouragement or that God would pull that person toward himself. As you pray for him or her, um, now pray for you. That God would help you be the kind of light where he's placed you, work, neighborhood, school, team, whatever. That God would help you be a light there. Father, I thank you that you are always at work. Just like you're pulling us towards yourself, you're working all over the place. And you want to use us in that process. And we thank you for that. And Father, we pray that you just help us to be the kind of light that you call us to be and invite us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.